0: Shalom, this is Rav Johnny Solomon and I would like to tell you about the services that I provide to men and women around the world. Firstly, if you have a sheila, a halachic query, or a halachic topic that you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life and you feel that you don't have a Rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijonnisolomon.com, which seamlessly, with the magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar. And within a few minutes, you'll receive a message with a Zoom link. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you.
1: Welcome to another edition of RZ. Apparently, it is weekly. RZ Weekly. We're two weeks in a row. Baruch Hashem, um, we're back, and today we're here to discuss Johnny Discovers America. Or, uh, it, what was the take on the, the Tocqueville? How did he call it? Yeah, I think that was it. Johnny Discovers America. Our colleague, and is that what it was? <laughs> I don't think
0: he called his book oh, Jungle no,
1: I What was
2: name I mentioned The Innocence Abroad. That was Mark Twain. But uh, innocence Abroad was Mark Twain. Let's, but let me in, look that, up was, Tocqueville. that was not America. No. No, no, that was Molly's actually Israel. Up. I'm looking, looking up, up to Tocqueville. Alexis De Tocqueville. One second. Yeah. And <laughs> no, we know the name. I'm looking for what's the the name. name? Wait,
1: what was the name of the book that he wrote, De to Tocqueville, when he uh, discovered America?
2: Democracy in America.
1: Ah, so Johnny, what are we going to call this democracy? in Like, I don't know. Ju- I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking about democracy in America. We've got enough. <laughs> right. We're to asking what the bl- what here. the fill in the blank is. Right. Totally agree. Anyway,
0: um, pizza in America. I told you, a lot of pizza. Sto- Americans <laughs> food love pizza.
2: In America. by the way. <laughs> Wait,
0: Jewish but there are pizza stores in, in, every, in
1: every Jewish community in Israel. I think it's Jews. I mean, I mean there are a lot of yeah. pizza stores in general. No,
0: but the point is how Jews. Or pharmacies in America. I told you there are a lot of drug stores in America.
1: <laughs> Drugs are a big business in America. Seriously, huge, huge, business. huge business. Absolutely. Anyway, John so Johnny discovers America. Johnny has never been to have you been to America before, Johnny? Is this your first time? No, I was
0: once in Vegas twenty one years ago. Oh my yeah. god, we, we have to hear, hear about the this
1: you in Vegas no
0: I told you I went with my dad it was a trade show it was with my wife whatever uh, I was there for a week how much money account. did you lose Johnny tell us the
2: truth I'm fascinated course, by Johnny's imp- I've freak. never been there but like Johnny's impressions of Vegas <laughs> That, what I can tell didn't you didn't is, on Shabbos, like I could the walk down exactly. the
0: strip wearing a talis and not feel like a freak. Because Nobody. there were a whole bunch of exactly. other people weird dressed than me. That was the basic <laughs> kind of take home.
1: Anyway, Johnny, Johnny, for the second time in his life, discovers America. But this time, instead of going to Las Vegas, apparently, he decided to visit Jewish Vegas, communities Vegas. in America. Yeah. It was kind of like a speaking tour. There was a simcha he was going to. It was a, a discover the world tour. So, Johnny... If you were, to tell, we're going to do it this way. Johnny's going to tell us about his trip. Tell us some of his tovanot, some of his, uh, his understandings and his... Um, um, insights. What's that? What was insights. Tovanot. Are- Thank, Thank you. Thank one some one of Johnny's one. insights into the American Jewish community, the American Jewish scene. And then Molly and I are going to dig down and sort of uh, maybe take one or two of the things Johnny said and uh, discuss them in a little bit deeper. So, Johnny, how is the United
0: States? The United States. Good it's a big place by the way. Do you know that? And there's a lot of Jewish people there. So well I I went You were you just say, on the East Coast. Uh, did
1: you go anywhere where did you where did you go? Just, where did if, you go?
0: I where did I go? I spent <laughs> we're not to discuss <laughs> I spent one night in Passaic <laughs> and then Wait, in Passaic proper? We're in Passaic <laughs> 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 One Shabbat in and I was in Manhattan, I was in Tinac I was in Brooklyn, I was in Oceanside actually, I was in five towns in Lawrence, um, I went to the Queens, I went to the oil, right, uh, also oh. many different so places. Like it was like a Wait, one fair.
1: second, I would just like to say, as now we have to Jewish, rename Jewish this podcast, New Yorkers. Yeah. we have to rename this podcast because Johnny did not discover America at all. Johnny discovered the New York metropolitan Jewish community. Exactly. Where I came from, Detroit, and anyone from the Midwest or even from California would say, hold on, there's a lot more to see, not including Las Vegas. So, Johnny, you have got another trip coming. Johnny discovers the, the New York Jewish community.
0: Go on, please oh, continue. Parts, only parts of the New- By the way, when I visited hit, Tinec, I was, was only on the lot. wrong side. Ah, I didn't, she didn't she even go to the to go, other go. side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. Be that as it may so i went there basically uh, for a speaking tour uh to visit various different communities uh sent as a spoken spoken stern uh, uh, uh and i met different people and i got a sense of the lay of that land obviously and while i was also promoting my virtual rabbi work uh because i already have some clients in the states and, and trying to grow that too so basically i went as a as a form of a speaking tour and a promoting tour but also Discovery Tour. Uh, and I went with open eyes because, uh, you know, I've seen lots of movies, I've met lots of people, I've read lots of books, but fundamentally, and I was there on my own, which gave me a certain flexibility to visit different places, you know, different uh, uh, communities, and the say meet different people and hear what's going on um, in the lives of men, women, families, in all these different communities that I was privileged to vi- visit. So that's the overall agenda. And, you know, whilst I was there, I sent you guys a few messages, uh, some to be taken more seriously than others. But fundamentally, what I want to do is kind of list, I suppose, 10 observation points uh, which are stated with zero agenda. They're simply kind of what I I think are, are interesting, which perhaps may speak to you and maybe we'll pick up on some of them in our later conversation. So, though it applies everywhere in the Jewish world, admittedly, when it comes to... The neighborhoods I was in, the New York, New Jersey area, um, uh, most people make presumptions about the kind of Jew you are based on where you live. If you say you live in a certain community, people kind of roll their eyes saying, oh, you're that kind of Jew. Uh, Obviously, that's not always the case. In fact, that's a gross uh, misrepresentation and generalization. But certainly that happens, that people perceive who you are based on where you live. Secondly, like can you give a couple when, of examples?
1: This, what do you mean? Meaning well,
0: uh, anywhere? I mean, if if you live in tina people presume uh, you hold a certain view, you live a certain life. Truth be told, you are of a certain financial status. That's certainly not uh, uh, the case uh, across the board, even there, let alone elsewhere, for that matter. But people make presumptions. And in fact, when I was leaving here, when I was telling, for example, I give a couple of shiurim here, and I said, "I'm sorry, I'm not going to be. Here. I'm going to the States. Where are you going?" And I mentioned a couple of places. People said, "Oh, those kinds of people."
2: Although I just uh, want to you know, say, Johnny, wouldn't don't you think people would say the same thing about Israel? Maybe not about England. I don't know, not much about England. They would certainly say the same thing about England, about Israel,
1: about communities I, I in think Israel. Oh, you live right. in certain Oh, you live in the Talmud. You live in Shwood.
2: Oh, you live in Eilat. You live in Yeah, you live in Eilat. Right. I, I
0: think I think they do. Uh, but. I, I would say when I say Yerushalayim, I don't necessarily know the type of Jew you are. If a person lives in, in Brooklyn, I make no, a point. Yeah, but if you live in Katamon or you live forced. in Buchman,
1: you do, you know, as long as so,
0: you but know the. Exactly. Cow.
2: We know the like sub communities within Beit Jemesh. You know what I mean? You
1: live in Ramah Aleph or Ramah Gimel? Okay.
0: Tell me. In- oh, so. Oh, no. So, Johnny, the truth is I'm interested because is it not uh, like that please. in England?
2: Is it not like that in England?
0: Listen, there's a couple of communities which have their own identities but it's not such a big place mm-hmm. that that a critical mass of like signed people in yeah. fact let me tell you point two because yeah. point two really responds point one when in fact when i was going to when i booked uh, my shabbat felon uh, with uh Shestak, really wonderful guy a fantastic family and he said i need to tell you my shul is uh, different i said what do you mean he said we've got a range of different types of Jews, of different likes of practices. I said, why is that different? That's normal. He said, no, because in many communities, uh, shuls are basically reflective of people of similar ideological view and similar uh, religious practice. He wasn't making that as a generic statement, but he wanted me to know that his Shawl was different to that. Well, I don't think, so but, I but I don't that don't think that's unusual.
1: I think that's common...
2: Around the entire
0: Jewish world.
2: I mean, no, I you think I think Johnny says, in, in the UK, yes.
0: very, very rarely. Exactly. Uh, of course, there are some places, but if you have the luxury of large groups of Jews that you can then make subgroups of these are this type of Jew and this, these types of group, fine. Yeah. But apart from the states and certain parts of Israel and a handful of places, let's say in the UK most shuls, just you you take what you can get basically wait, wait a second. and, and I, 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 if, if you're if you're talking around, about
1: any major jewish community any major any significant jewish community has those has those divisions i mean i've been in even smaller no, jewish but, communities no but
2: but ruby that's i don't think you're right cuz i've had and you were a rabbi in detroit yes you i tell, was and i'm telling so, you exactly from experience okay so my my experience is that my students I have students who are coming from much smaller communities, quote-unquote out-of-town communities, and they say that they find, the whole first of all, the whole New York culture very strange. And a lot of times when we're talking about hashkafic issues, they're like, I'm totally at sea here because my community is accepting of a whole range of different types of Jews And I cannot relate to all these artificial divisions because they come from smaller communities that, uh, as Johnny says, they can't afford to be so divisive and therefore um, they're much more accepting.
1: Would that were okay. so. Molly, in my experience, would that were so. But even in it's, smaller communities you have your main I'm saying even say the Orthodox okay. community I uh, you so, main I okay, let's let Johnny school, let's let Johnny continue.
2: You got your, his list, you, got I feel your like we're you got your you got your community
1: kolel, you got your chabad, and that's three indie just a tiny community.
2: Okay, but it could be that in a small community like my students are talking about, those people all get along with each other more
1: yeah, maybe more definitely more they have to if Right, that's
0: correct well no certainly that when i was you know in, in, again this wasn't fell on quite the country it's a very very beautiful community in other places you know ba- people would basically say oh that's you know to the right it's as if there's a ideological or religious yardstick where you need to know your place. Mm-hmm. You need to know not just the kind of the Google location where the shul is, but the ideological religious location to know how to differentiate it from others. Again, I don't think it's entirely unique to states. I'm not making any you know, absolute statements. What I am saying is I, I, I strongly sense that in certain communities that was expressed by a variety of people. And it means that people are aware of, of where they stand or where they go and what that means or what that represents. Etc., etc. So,
1: John, my only comment to that would be it could be you noticed it more because it was more important to people. It's not that we divide any differently, but it could be that in America, the categorization is more important. They want to know where you fit in, they want to know how to understand you. They want, meaning, it could bear, that could be a more American thing as opposed to an Israeli thing where they care. With, I think maybe we do care, like we might associate with who we're more comfortable with, but we care about it less. It What's well, interesting is I, that my...
0: I agree, yeah. and by the... W- Sorry, please.
1: No, just that um, my
2: students come here and they're like, oh, I can't stand it in Israel because you have to identify, you have to pick a shkafa because the communities are so polarized, um, which, you know, like it's... They're saying the same thing. That's their experience. So I, I wonder if there actually is an objective difference. I wonder if it's depending on where you live, like how you see the other side of the pond kind of thing. Oh. Um, I'm no more towards agreeing with you that I think, I think it's funny that my students think that because... what johnny's describing i think i think johnny is saying something very true i just um i think he's he's getting to something very very correct i i I just it's hard for me to for myself kind of prism to 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 crystallize exactly the difference between you know with the american experience and, and other experiences
0: Keep going, Johnny. Right, and just yeah, and just keep going. And just, by, just a quick aside for the next point, uh, when I kind of approached a number of communities, you know what they wanted to try and do is kind of put me in those boxes on that continuum. Mm-hmm. The problem is that uh, although I sometimes do, you know, very proudly use labels such as religious Zionists and or modern Orthodox, fundamentally uh, I am somebody who really strongly believes in you know the totality of Am Israel, uh, and I think I speak with a certain measure of passion which perhaps some of the more modern communities are less used to hearing. Uh, and yet I speak with you a You click a, a lot different of different boxes, rel- Johnny. You
1: really do. You, right. You know.
0: so, so what was interesting, there was a couple of people, they said, one second, but you're like a board member, but you're talking like this. They couldn't kind of square that circle. And i like, well, that's me. Anyway, so that was, that was, it was kind of interesting. Um, an, an, an interesting thing happened when I got an uber. I had very interesting uber uh, conversation with uber drivers But when I, I actually I don't, I think I've mentioned to you before um, I struggled to buy shoes here I kind of have weird feet So my wife said when you go to the States get some shoes. I said fine That's like when, when the wife says do something you do it. So when I was in Pasek, I said uh, Let's try and find a, a, you know, a store or mall that sells uh, shoes. I looked on kind of Google found a place than uber i said can you take me there i really had this i really had no clue um where i was going as happens it was a really lovely uh, friendly muslim driver uh, and you'll see why that's significant in a second i said you know where this place is he says uh, no i don't really know i said okay well it was pouring with rain he drives up I, he said i said is it a covered mall he said yeah i said he said you're in luck i i i said um okay and i saw a few jewish people kind of uh, through the window of this mall and I thought I guess some Jews kind of come here to go shopping but then I walked in and I was kind of taken aback because the entire mall was Jewish it was a Jewish mall which like what like, every store is Jewish there's a kosher supermarket there's a farm store the, the lady who sells shoes, I bought a nice pair of shoes very nice, a <laughs> from lady wine, there's a hall there uh, now it's aesthetically ple- pleasing by the way uh, but it, something hit me, which is, wow, this is interesting. But it occurred to me, if, if you're a Jew who kind of sends a kids to a Jewish school and you go to school and you shop in a, in a mall where all the stores are Jewish, like, do you ever actually have much engagement with you know, non-Jewish neighbors you know, uh, or your local community? Kind of made me wonder, um, to what extent are some Jews in certain communities, obviously not all, Living in such a bubble, they don't even realize that they're living in a as a minority in a wider non-Jewish society. And to what extent are they even having the opportunity, kind of for for a kiddush Hashem? Uh, because most of the time, they're just basically speaking to religious Jews, uh, similar if not just like them. So that's something which, if you recall, I sent you a message saying, "What, what is this? I don't even understand." You were very upset about it. Kind of if I recall, at
1: the time, you were you were you were pretty worked up about it, actually.
0: Well, it was like, but. I, I, it, it wasn't... You know, there was no anger. It was a very elegant place. I just didn't understand why that felt it has to be. In many ways, it's so super comfortable, but also it kind of negates the kind of place where a person's living. So I was... I suppose, confused. I mean, it's just in your thoughts, but, uh, no, when the, when no, the, when the Uber driver it. dropped me off is, and okay. I went inside, I realized why he'd never been inside. That's a good point. It wasn't like, a, <laughs>
1: no Johnny, explain your confusion. You're not being clear about what you're, what you were confused about. Meaning like you just uh, I, said Americans to your perception, they like diving with people like them. Like if you need, think about it. Like a, I don't know, a diamond district. If you're going, or, or a garment district. If you're going, if you're going to shop for garments, so then the button store should be there, and the thread store is going to be there. And then that's how you build a district. So it just so happens uh, I did a little Google search myself. It sounds like you were in the Brookhaven Mall, Does that yeah, make which is sense? new. Yeah, it's new. It just opened. Exactly. Right. Yeah, correct. And so and it happens to be if you look, if you look on the Google machine and the Google Maps, right near, you know, right near there, it's right across the street from. You know, the yeshiva katana, boy's yeshiva katana, a and yeshiva near baruch, pesaic, or Torah. Just basically, you're smack in the middle of Frumville and pesaic, right? And it just would make sense if there's going to be a kosher store. If I wanted to then open up a kosher uh, swarm st- uh, store, where would I put it? I'd put it where the people who go kosher shopping are. You know, why do they need their own shoe store? They, you know, Jewish people buy certain kinds of shoes. They just do. They buy certain kinds of hats, So I'm not sure. It's really a chicken and egg question. Is it a ghettoization issue that is intentional, that we only want to shop with people that are like us? Or by nature, we have certain tastes and we have certain needs and therefore we create spaces, I think just intuitively that cater to this, meaning nobody would argue that Passaic is new square. I hope. I mean, it's not new square. It's, you know, but at the same time, are you I, I wonder if you're if you're if you're hitting on something that no, that the reason it develops the other way is because we just like, you know, Jews like to be with one another and they want to they want to shop from their own kind and they want to shop right, with their I, own
2: kind. But that's the point, I think. I mean, it's like I'm thinking about, let's say, Central Avenue, right, in the five towns. And I, I know Teenek has its own Queen Anne maybe, road?
1: Queen Anne, uh, Queen Anne yeah. Road, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So on the but That's one not only hand, Jewish
1: by a far cry. Okay, so it
2: could be this different... Okay, so I'm thinking of Central Avenue. That's the one I know. Central Avenue is only Jewish? It, it's only from stores? No, well, I watched it turn from like, you know, one or two or three, six Jewish stores when I was growing up to now at this point it's like I, predominantly, I'd say, predominantly um, Orthodox Jewish, not just Jewish, Orthodox Jewish. And I think, I think that there's a double-edged sword here whereas like, on the one hand... As you're saying, it's terrific that Jews can thrive um, in as a minority culture, let's say, right? Um, on the other hand, there's always that feeling because you're still a minority culture in a majority culture of is this good for the Jews or is this bad for the Jews? Is this appropriate for the Jews to be behaving this way? Is it not appropriate for the Jews to be behaving this way? There's a There are a lot of tricky questions that come with being a Jew in the diaspora. And I think this is like a good example of that. Leaving aside the question of like, I know somebody else who was talking about the Brookhaven Mall and they were like, is this a sign of materialism? Like the fact that we're now, you know, opening up all Jewish malls, it's like a, a jump in level of like, you know, priorities values but leaving even aside that question i I think what johnny is kind of responding to again is like the complexity of being a minority in a majority culture and on the one hand the jewish pride piece and the it's grade and the acceptance and on the other hand and again this is like a larger question for all minorities of like do like how do you maintain your own? Pride in your own culture and ethnicity, and at the same time, integrate into the larger culture and not kind of be at odds with them in all kinds of different ways.
0: I I think that's very much the case. I suppose I'm just trying to process things you're speaking. Obviously, being somebody who grew up in the UK, my experience is very, very different just in terms of our representation. So I totally get that as a context. But I suppose the difference is on a street. The street isn't yours. The stores are yours. So you're walking in this public space, but then you go to the Jewish stores. A mall, in general, obviously, it's generally privately owned, admittedly. But there's generally a sense it's almost a public place. And to think the kind of Jews can own these public uh, or semi-public places uh, is a shift. Um, That's what you meant by the driver never having gone in there. It's almost like creating our own...
1: That, I, I now understand what bothered you more. You're like, I want to create up my own walled-off space where I feel totally comfortable, even when I go shopping. I don't have to interact with... Right. I don't have to go to the... The. I mean, it's really interesting because nowadays malls are... If someone is a very halachic person and Peshaic is a very, quote-unquote, halachic place, malls are problematic. I mean, seriously problematic to bring your kids. You know? Totally. So there, there,
0: there are issues... Uh, and... and, and- I totally get that. As I say, I went, <laughs> there, there, by the way, just to, for those who have not yet visited, there is a store that just sells shells. Anybody knows what shells are? Anyway. as a <laughs> Shells? As a I, I don't dollars. know what that is. Am
1: I supposed to know? Shell- oh, it's like oh, undershirts or something? I don't know. Whatever. Molly, you're, we can't hear. Ma, something ma, happened ma- with your mic. Yes.
2: In the five okay. towns, there's the shell station. That's a store that sells shells absolutely okay so there there's a whole
0: store uh mm-hmm. selling just just shells which, which is, is uh, wonderful wonderful fishneas
2: shells are what you wear under your under your um clothing so that it it you know adds an extra layer
0: i got it yeah i understand okay but so inti- you're entirely right that actually malls are problematic i i agree with you in fact i'm better still i was kind of waiting for my uber and then you know, just around me, some guys are milling. I thought, am I looking weird? And, and three seconds later, somebody shouts out, Ashrei, I thought, amazing, <laughs> just in the middle of a mall, it's a mincha, right? I, I, but, uh, See, you so get you can get used pros, to it, you get used to it very quickly. Correct. The, while the pros you know, are very much there, to have just a mincha in the middle of a mall, and it wasn't just a random thing, they do it obviously every day at that moment in time. I had no idea, it wasn't even a sign. You know why it wasn't a sign? Because everybody knows who walks in that room that that's what they do because it's our place, and, and so it's interesting that that, that bothers you. Of and when we go to IKEA, it doesn't know doesn't bother me. It's
1: interesting that that can, no, the whole our place, like right. you noted it. But when we go to IKEA, and then like there's Mincha at two thirty in the shul in IKEA, in shul. it's like oh, you know, that's what it's supposed to be. This must be but Mincha. That's
2: What's the difference about IKEA? Anywhere else? Sorry, you can, sorry. Just you can't ignore the difference between the diaspora element and the non-diaspora element, to, at least for me. I think it's a significant difference, um, and I think it makes a difference. Like, that's why it bothers me when people come to Israel and they'll say, like, oh, it's so beautiful that you can, like, go anywhere and, like, I don't eat anything. They're like, well, if you go to Hershey Park or you go to Yankee Stadium or if you go to Citi Field, there are also kosher stores and there's mincha. And isn't it the same? And I'm like, no, it's not the same because it, it shouldn't be the same. And I, I think I said this to you, but I'll say it very, very quickly. Like the Kuzari who talks about the plant, planted in its own soil versus planted in in foreign soil. It, it's meant to be planted in a certain place. And if it's growing somewhere else, it's in foreign soil. And this is, again, not, I don't mean this to be a condemnation of diaspora Jewry, but I I, I will just say, I think it's different. And I don't think it's like parallel. I think when I see a Mincha in Ikea or, you know, in the Dekel in Ephrat, or even in Ben-Gurion Airport, I have one reaction, and when I see a mincha in City Field, I have a different reaction, which is not all good or all bad, but it's a, a more complex reaction. I see the positives and the negatives, which is what I'm saying also about the streets. I see the positives and the negatives, but it's just more complex. Okay, Daddy, keep going.
0: And, and, just yeah. and, and, and I just want to say, just in terms of IKEA, you'll have different types of Jews, non-observant and observant. When I was there, only mm-hmm. observant. I mean, it's not even Jewish, it's from Jewish, right? And, and I suppose uh, again, it didn't. It wasn't a question of grating. I suppose it was. I had to do it not just a double take, but a triple take, and I'm still processing it. Okay. Just as an aside, uh, as an aside,
1: place. the Shul in IKEA does, is
0: not furnished with IKEA furniture. Just <laughs> so you know. I'm well aware. <laughs> just as a side, by the way, I was in IKEA, Sheva when there was an Azaka, right? Ooh. And it was. That's a very interesting thing. All, and you know what? IKEA does not have a mamad. So you have the shoes in the, the mamad. No, the shoes in the mamad. No. Uh, and maybe in, in Bet Shemesh, in not. Uh And so yeah. you all kind of come together and you have this kind of weird gathering, more than like in a an apartment block because IKEA is obviously considerably bigger. You know, some people are eating dime bars and other people are just <laughs> nattering their phone. But you're right, also the shawl is, is, is the one thing which is not furnished by IKEA. Uh, next point, um, you know, I went really with this interest to share ideas, teach Torah, meet people, but also to promote... Um, this work that I do as a virtual rabbi, being a rabbi to those without a rabbi. And I met some really remarkable educators, really remarkable rabbis and rabbis. I was really inspired by many, many people uh, who are doing awesome work, truly awesome work. But Johnny, what was the response the same- of the
1: rabbis to, be, to your idea of being a virtual rabbi? How did they respond to that? Because on the one hand, well, some- you're meeting a need for some people, yeah. but on the other hand, you're like feeling a need that they supposedly are supposed to be meeting.
0: Well, to be perfectly clear, and it's something I make, uh, I emphasize on my website. You know, I'm, the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I had a fantastic community rabbi. If somebody has a community rabbi, talk to them. Um, I'm trying to be a rabbi for those who don't have a rabbi, uh, but that also at times includes people who are members of shuls who just don't feel at all connected to their religious leader. I mean, they're there, but they just don't feel they can have certain types of conversations, or, and this occurred in, in, in one place I visited, who they feel that the rabbi doesn't have the time or, or necessarily even an interest to have kind of day-to-day conversations. They'll have a sheer, they'll talk religious matters. But sometimes a person wants to talk about issues which are burning in their heart, but may not be the classic Shiloh model, you know, the classic, you know, tray for chicken or something with Shabbos and the extent to which people understand the needs of their followers, you know, that's the art of leadership. And, I, and, and as I've been kind of uh, uh, sharing through the talks I've been giving, the things I've been writing, people should realize that more than halachic questions, people have questions to do with emona, how to, how to align their faith with the challenges they're experiencing in their life uh, within the modern world. Those questions are more prominent, from my experience, and now I've been doing this for quite some time with men and women couples around the world, than necessarily the classic halachic question. And as, as I've also mentioned, unfortunately, many rabbis aren't, don't spend meaningful time on hash- mashraba, so which means that they're actually not so well trained to answer kind of questions which are arising more often the kind of halachic questions which they're highly trained to answer. So. Whatever. I, no, but I would like to.
1: I, have two I to we should go before you get to your next point. On the one hand, I don't th- know if it's fair to say they don't have the time because I never met a rabbi that would not want to talk hashkafa with their their members. Maybe the member doesn't feel comfortable approaching them or taking too much time. But I, I, I honestly, I know many, 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 many rabbis, and if somebody would come to them and say, "I have a hashkafic issue, I have, a, I have an ideological issue, I want to sit and talk with you," without a doubt, I, I, I like the rabbis live for that. But on the other hand, it could very well be that very often the rabbi and the community is from a different hashkafic place than the member of that community. So while they love their mm. rabbi and think he's a wonderful person and, you know, w- would love to, you know, enjoy a, a great sheer from the Rav, they, don't, they may necessarily not feel comfortable talking about hashkafa because their worldview is so different from that of the rabbi. And, and the, it could very well so- be that, Johnny, like... You're developing, I would say, a market, as it were, that people, like, they they don't know they have these questions or they know they have them, but they don't know that there's somebody they could talk to about it because that person is not available to them in the context of their communal life.
0: Right. Well, this is a point that Rav Rav Lichtenstein talks about in terms of centrist orthodoxy and creating a a kind of a ideological community different to necessarily the physical one where you necessarily visit. And so there are people who go to certain communities and, and I'm trying to respond to a, at times parallel ideological community, not again, God forbid, I'm the first advocate for celebrating the importance of the community, rather it was just the outside of my, that I grew up with, uh, and I'm, I'm the biggest, loudest proponent for that model working, but I know it doesn't always work for people. But a second thing, just in terms of availability, you're entirely correct and I, and I want to be absolutely crystal clear. If somebody is told this community member wants to talk to you about something, uh, a RAV, who anybody's chosen to work in that field, will make themselves available. I believe that a billion percent, and I don't want to be misunderstood. What I do know, though, is the systems to make that rabbi aware of your interest are at times not so great. And that's why I would like more people to adopt the kind of model I've created of this online booking system. Because if I have to call somebody to ask, you know, in, in inverted comments a favor of you having a schmooze with me when I know you're busy, I know you'll say yes, but that doesn't necessarily mean it will satisfy my needs. And that's why I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing uh, in, in the way in which people feel comfortable to book time and feel confident they're gonna get time and not feel that it's a favor that I'm squeezing in, uh, and as a result, wait. So let, let me say, let's get technical that, for a second. That's
1: interesting. So you're saying I know rabbis who have I know rabbis I who have office no. hours specifically, and many many communities. But I guess maybe the person doesn't know: is it going to be available? Am I available that time? You think that? So you're suggesting, and maybe you're not, because I don't. Whatever. rabbis should have I'm like more, a calendar. Suggesting. They should have an online calendar, and then people should be able to book times on those online calendars like let's say that Wednesday afternoons the rabbi has these are these are his you know conversation times and people can book a time on the you know without having to communicate with the rabbi or see if he's free or ask him you think that would solve that could help solve the problem
0: that's what I'm doing the technology exists which is free or almost free it's not just a Wednesday afternoon It, it, it syncs with my google calendar so if I'm free I'm free if I'm not free I'm not free but what it means is it's a frictionless process. A person doesn't have to ask the favor of when I'm free to bef- before uh, f- talking about or figuring out a time to talk about sometimes, which is very much weighing on their mind. Why? Because sometimes that, that moment flashes, there's is an issue that needs addressing. And if it requires an exchange of three to four WhatsApp messages with the bestest will in the world, you may well say afterwards, oh, just don't worry about it. It's fine because it's hard know. to find like, I time what this saying, and next this week.
1: Is, I hear what you're saying. I really do. But at the same time, it seems to me like any other professional, if you wanted to contact your doctor or your therapist or your kid's teacher, if it was important enough, you would do it. No, but Ruby, this is
2: different. This, correct. But I, if, if you want, I, like, want to contact where, like, your doctor, there's a, a digital to platform. What do you want from the rabbi? You know
0: it, what I'm saying? No, the point is every professional nowadays, every professional organization has a more frictionless system to be able to give confidence to the customer or the client that they can fix a time without having to uh, go through that process. What I'm saying is where we are living now means my user experience in many other fields is that I should be able to not necessarily get a time, the first available time, uh, but get a time that works for me without the headache of of a series of exchanges which is which takes time, which is what most of us don't have much of. Interesting. Can I, can I, so, I add something
2: y- yeah, to this? Just because I think Johnny's really right here. Um, the, I once, before I became a therapist, um, there was like a professional development training for seminary teachers and they brought in I remember, I'll even say it who it was because I think it's totally appropriate. Her name is Sharon Slater. She's a pretty well-known therapist. And she was like, she role-played with us because, you know, the job of the seminary teacher is to is exactly what J- John is describing. It's not always the technical issues. It's the emotional conversations and the hashkafe conversations and all of that stuff. So she said, okay, how do you normally do it? You're walking down the hallway or you walk into the classroom and, you know, you see the girl. Hi, how are you? What are they going to say? Fine. How's everything going? Good. How are your classes? Okay. She said, "What's wrong with this conversation? No one's going to have a deep, meaningful, meaningful conversation in the hallway, in the Beit Midrash, in the classroom, right? It, it's the 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 setting is not appropriate for it." And so I think what part of what Johnny's saying is. There isn't an easily like so. So, for example, she said you should make meetings with your students, right? Or you should have office hours for your students that they know that they can drop in and have these kind of conversations. Like, make an explicit space and time that they know is available for these kind of conversations, not just the halakha conversations, but the hashkafha conversations. And I think that that's what Johnny's saying, which is that, you know, people are comfortable calling the rav for their halachic conversation for their halachic conversations they don't necessarily have a model for how exactly do I call my rabbi to talk about you know whatever Johnny can give examples of things that they t- speak to him about if they you know when it's pressing and they need their rav I don't know It's sometimes it's like so extreme like it's a, a marital issue That's a they will call the rav because they've been my pushed to is, the wall yeah, urgent exactly right. urgent
0: will always get a response but important gets pushed off. right and because you don't have a context for how do I, the
2: I there isn't a natural way to do it so i think johnny's right but you, you, that's your point johnny your point was just that it was inspiring i, don't know, I think
1: maybe sometimes johnny offers a service because he's virtual meaning i think very often maybe, maybe, people yeah. don't, don't necessarily, necessarily want to share to their, their religious doubts and their and you know it's a maybe. safe space maybe yeah. and to, to realize
0: that too that also that too 100 yeah. percent. i mean again fun, going back to the key point here yeah i met a lot of people doing amazing work and I also met a, f- uh, a number of people for whom this service speaks to them mm-hmm. or who felt that the kind of service they're getting doesn't right. quite You're saying meet their needs. People are
2: doing amazing work and you also see that there's a general spiritual um, ideological thirst that isn't always being met within our communities oh,
0: beautifully put beautifully put and again with with uh, no finger pointing and no crit- criticism because that's just the nature of the things and also don't forget there are a number of uh, religious leaders who do not they're not just full-time rabbis they're part-time rabbis doing other things it's tough on them too uh, and so they can't always be as well wait as one second like i would say
1: speak. especially in new york area many many of the rabbis are part-time rabbis in full-time shuls
0: and they're also teaching and they're also school administrators so well, there you go.
1: Yeah.
0: That's meaning again, I, I get it. And my my ability to be flexible is also part of pass of But okay, but are not here to Okay, advertise. we're why not? We're uh, here to advertise. About, uh, we're hundred percent here to uh, advertise. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're gonna uh, and, uh, next, before, next Wait, wait, point. before you one get to the next I one, s-
1: quick quick, quick, we have to we have to advertise. So we'll take a quick break, probably advertise your uh, virtual rabbi thing. And we'll come right back after this. Some parents homeschool, others don't live near a school, and others simply can't afford full-time Jewish day school. Each of these families needs a solution that offers their children serious Jewish learning. That's why I created Kita. Kita is serious online Torah learning at an affordable price. With Kita, middle school-aged children receive online lessons each week through their Google Classroom, and then participate in weekly Zooms with other kids from around the world. Children can enroll in the Chumash and Avi plan, and study Chumash Shemot and Avi Shmuel. Or in the Mishnah and Gemara plan, where we're learning Mishnah Brachot and Gemara Elu Mitzio. If you'd like to give your child a leg up in his or her Jewish learning, now is a great time to join Kitah, as our second semester begins on January 2nd. To learn more about how Kitah can help your children grow and thrive in Jewish learning, visit kita.org and fill out the form. That's Kitah. K-I-T-A-H dot O-R-G. Okay, Johnny, number four. Are we on four or five? I don't remember. Go ahead. Four.
0: I think we are on uh, five. Five is uh, something four. which I suppose I pride myself on in Israel, and I think all three of us do, um, which is we speak on this podcast unfiltered. You know, sometimes people say, Uh, And we had some feedback from our last session, you know, we we were having this kind of intense conversation, but we speak freely, we speak unfiltered. And uh, the places where I visited, appreciated that. Because I think, uh, nowadays, many educators, this isn't just a a specific comment about rabbis or anything, many educators feel they have to, you know, hold themselves back on certain points, especially when speaking publicly. And just being able to speak about a range of topics um, uh, without kind of limitation, without kind of any self-censorship, um, was appreciated by many. Because I, I t- talk about Israel, I talk about halakha, I talk about uh, certain trends, I, whatever, whatever. Um, and there was a sense, of, oh, this is refreshing. It's nice to hear somebody being unrestricted which sometimes people feel that they're having to toe a certain, as, as mentioned before, uh, singular ideological line, shall we say. It goes back to that point about shawls and, and ideologies, etc. I'm happy to say something which at some point sounds like a very, uh, you know, a shach kind of thing. Um, and another point sounds, say something which sounds very heshly and, and people would, that's, that's okay for me. Because, as Ramam says, accept truth where it comes from. But others would be quite uh, cautious about whom they quote and the things they say, if it doesn't fit into one singular box.
2: Johnny, without, let's say, giving it away, but you had mentioned privately, like you said, I specifically found it in one specific experience. So can you speak a little bit about that experience? Can you be a little
0: clearer? It's a little like- uh... No,
2: it's very clear to me. I just want, can you give an example? Like you had written to us and you're like, I found this in Place X, and I'm not gonna say where Place X is. No, I
0: I, I think, no, I think I said, I found this mostly in Place X. Yeah. I, 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 am I'm going to say it about me rather than about them because I'm not. Does it rhyme you know, with Fleenick? I'm kidding. No, I'm doesn't. Kidding. <laughs> no it doesn't. Actually, actually, quite quite the contrary. But it, it, when many people do these kind of speaking tours, they actually go representing an organisation, right? They go for some organisation or for some institution, and they generally have to say things which are exclusively aligned to that institution. You go for i Mizrahi and you're kind of supposed to speak up in religious dining in which I think all three of us are very happy to do but that's part of our repertoire it's not necessarily our total repertoire right um because I was going independently I didn't have to speak according to one particular script uh and I think that was that's interesting it doesn't happen as often as we but realize you said
2: people were appreciative and, of it that's what I'm interested in you said that you think people responded yeah respond I, think to so. it. I think yeah how did, how I did think you think I that?
1: wonder, see, I wonder if Johnny, if the rabbi's holding back, or, sorry to say know. Again, I'm not, Again, to I'm not specifically you're talking about just, rabbis. You're, I'm just, you're about- just Johnny Solomon, and you really do check a lot of boxes. So on the one hand, you're pretty for me. But on the other hand, you're on the board of Chachmat Nafshim, meaning a lot of people aren't like that. One second.
0: that second. You're right. Um, uh uh, I and, don't and go rough shop a lot people I'm not like knowledgeable that. about,
1: you know, about...
2: Okay, but I still think Johnny's making a deeper point. I think he, when he's saying that the community's responded to him, I think he's saying that they're looking for something like that. So that's what I'm interested in. Uh, you, you, I, maybe I think-
1: some people are. I agree that some people are. But I think that if you're in a communal role, you can't be as free as you'd like to be. If you're the rabbi of okay, a shul... That's true. you that's I, I don't think Johnny's have criticizing. You obligations. You have school Johnny's obligations. Johnny's not communi- c- and criticizing the rabbis. A, you, you have a need to cater Correct. to a wide, a wide, like as much as wide a spectrum of people that you possibly can. And if you tick some of them off, you know, then they're going to leave
2: the shul and go to the
1: shibol next door. Right.
2: So I don't think Johnny's criticizing the fact. That's what he said. He said he's not beholden to an organization. Sure. I have
1: become like the rabbi defender. I don't know. Yeah. Don't, no. You know. It's not
2: against the. I don't. I think. I, I don't think anybody's attacking the rabbis. I think it's just therefore the state of. It, it's like in general. Like if a person is a free agent, they're much freer to say whatever they want. People say that. Okay. All I'll, the time. I'll,
0: I'll, let me yeah. let me let me mention one specific thing which we've discussed before. You know, I I'm a very proud religious scientist. A very proudly within the ideological kind of landscape of modern orthodoxy. But I speak openly, regularly on this podcast and elsewhere about the problems in those camps, right? I don't airbrush them. In fact, I'm self-critical about where I live, repeatedly driving out listeners crazy, right? I'm, I'm self-critical about a certain, sometimes spiritual malaise within modern orthodox communities, even though uh, that's kind of, I suppose, part of the world where I belong to and and in, in the states hearing somebody be that honest about those communities when you're a member of that makes them realize aha uh-huh, i'll give you an example and this wasn't the specific community we were talking about i gave i gave a talk uh, in t about the difference between religion and spirituality based on the teachings of rabbi Sachs. and this was to a religious community right so they came along uh, it was a speech a speech during uh and and you 'd think kind of like we're all religious religious, spiritual, and kind of implicitly, I was criticizing everybody in particular me by the way i, I don't i'm not trying to say that i'm uh, but i'm saying i I think we can live a religious life and sometimes uh, lose sight of of the spiritual dimensions of 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 our recognition the David of could of spoken in our life and Rabbi Sachs compares uh, those two to love a marriage and I said just like you wouldn't want to be in a loveless marriage, you know surely we wouldn't want to be in a spiritually kind of uh, diminished or weak or or uh, lax uh, religious lifestyle, and I spoke about it. I didn't poke fingers because I who am I to do so? And I don't know the people well enough, but I can tell you that a lot of people afterwards said, Whoa, that touched a chord. And why did they purpose. This has
1: been a thing, this has been an important issue for you for a long time. You wrote a whole long right. paper about but, it,
0: but but what but why? Because. in various communities and not again by no means this one exclusively in fact it's a great great community um people want to celebrate the strengths but sometimes people are reluctant or wary or scared to speak about the pitfalls um and you want to try and keep people with you so what you the last thing you want to do is is highlight certain weaknesses my feeling is you've got to speak truth and I wasn't speaking about those particular people. They were all wonderful men and women, fantastic, awesome people. If you're listening, I love you. <laughs> but uh, ultimately, I'm trying to speak truth that this is what I see. I see it, I feel it, I sometimes experience it. So if that's true, why can't we share it? Um, not every story ends with a happy ending. And when I spoke in, in, in Brooklyn, you know, I spoke about Bitochen and, and talked through Rav Lichtenstein's remarkable essay on the topic. And, and critique the general uh, approach of, you know, that some people feel we all have to adopt. And again, people said, wow, it's so so nice to hear somebody actually speak something which actually makes sense to the real day-to-day living uh, of our uh, of our modern life. So kind of sharing ideas which are real, which are rooted in, you know, the ideas of greats like Rav Lichtenstein Rabbi Sachs. But saying it, which also highlights sometimes misunderstanding about how we're living, And people walked away saying that was refreshing because it helped us look at our life differently and maybe take a second consideration on uh, the certain assumed lifestyle that we've adopted. So that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's point number five. Number six. (laughs) We got to move on. We got to. Number six is I think a lot of people have a lot of pressure uh a lot i had a lot of private conversations with people mm-hmm. and like i'll end by saying you know, people are people they have a lot of strains and difficulties a lot of successes and encounter lots of inspirational but when i went to numerous weekday minyanim in the different places i visited you can imagine you know i'm davening a mincha in a mall and a shachos in this small shtiebel and whatever whatever i found a lot of people in weekday minyanim felt compelled to be checking their phones during davening. now this so that generally happens at weekday mignonim by certain people, but there I felt it to be by a, a, an almost majority. Interesting. Not so, all, oh, like um, I was saying,
1: like it happens here too, but you're saying you really, it
0: really was pronounced. It, it was it was really pronounced, and 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 it wasn't because these people don't care about davening. They're getting up early to daven. It's a beautiful thing. And They get up to davening often, driving and then going to work and working crazy hours. It's because. I think there's tremendous pressure that even hopping uh, you know, 20-30 minutes of davening is really hard to be properly turned off. Sure. So I'm not saying this in the slightest as a direct critique of those people. I'm saying it's tough out there. Yeah, I think, that's and that's very even true. felt in the sanctuary, in the shul, and just to be able to find time to daven without feeling the need to respond to the multiple messages you're getting from your boss or your work colleagues is hard for people but it's evident in the weekday minyanim which I, I went I went to many again I'm not this not I'm not talking about any specific location any specific minion, or any specific shul. um I just saw that and I felt that's a tough no, thing you think but even more, you think
1: it's more in America cuz I, I don't yeah, see, so I see it a tiny bit here and I'm guilty every I now and think, then do you no, think it's I more do, in
2: America I think in general Johnny's point which he's just using this example as like symbolic I think of the larger point which is it, it, it's it's tough. It's pressured. It's fast paced There are a lot of economic pressures in America, certainly in the from community. In terms of, right, we all know that in order to to break even, and if you're going to be paying day school tuition and you're going to be um, do, in participating in all the things that part of your Orthodox community, it's a it's a it's a tr- it's a treadmill for a lot of people. Um, whatever those things are, the hamster wheel. It's very very hard. And I think in general, um, yes, I do. I think that modern life is very, very pressured. I do think it's I, I, and I'm saying this anava because I, I you know I didn't' there no studies on this. my my anecdotal feeling is that Israel is still a little bit of a lower pressure country. Mm. Um, it doesn't mean that they, there aren't similar or different pressures here, but I think the pace of life, yes, I think it's harder. I, or harder is the different word is a judge, judging word. It's faster. And it's more pressurized. And um, as Johnny's saying, like the hours are longer. There's no like Friday is off because job, you know what I'm saying? And again, the closest you could have here are people who work in high tech in Tel Aviv, right? Like, But we're not yet at a situation where the entire country is working in high tech in Tel Aviv, whereas for whatever reason, a lot of the Orthodox Jewish community is working in white collar business jobs right here is somehow there's more of a balance i don't whatever I, and again I, I mean i don't mean balance it is a really important it's, it's a really important
1: topic and but, something we have to think about it's but you know what
2: question. i mean i it's, yeah it's I, I i think i i'm thinking yeah.
1: of like israel still in many ways still has remnants of his socialist culture that's also way. true we also you know, have social safety that's like, the way the question of like the way they relate to coming to work and if you're not feeling well and I mean you go anywhere? correct and can you, you take know? your
2: kids it's a much more kid-friendly culture israel it's just interesting okay but i'm saying that's an interesting observation but yeah
0: again yeah. i'm not saying this happened all the case i'm, I'm not saying it's even uh 50 percent but or actually in some places it was but it, it's it was sufficient that I, it wasn't just one person it was it was something a you know quite very interesting. and, and, and good yeah. people who, are, who care about right. it's not a
2: critique of the These people. These
0: are not people of Stam. Right. Uh, okay, I want to mention two points all at once, even though, because they come under the rubric of books. Uh, so I spent uh, quite a, a few days in uh, the Upper west side, great neighborhood, um, and I visited two bookstores nearby. One was a Jewish bookstore, and one was Barnes & Noble. They're kind of almost uh, opposite one another. So in terms of the Jewish bookstore, even though it run by a bunch of Hasidim really sweet guys, I noticed how a significant number, well not, the, not the majority, but a significant number, of the books were uh, you know, from reform authors, non-orthodox authors, and, and promoting certain things which perhaps may be out of sync with majority of the sfarim they had. Uh, now, I have a wide library, so uh, I think, you can, again, you can accept wisdom from wherever you get it, but I found it to be kind of incongruous with the kind of people who are running the store. And I said to them, "Can I? what's the story? You know, you guys are three very orthodox guys and you've got, you know, a huge amount of books which are seemingly not reflective of your general uh, ideology. I said, listen, without this, we we couldn't run the store because we have a very, very wide range of people who come in uh, and buy books and we've got to provide for them. And I, And I'd never had that in the UK because we have much, much smaller communities. If you have a safari store, generally it is for the Orthodox. There was uh, one which is uh, really responding to the reform slash Masorti community. Uh, But if you went to a safari store, it would only be Orthodox books. So I found that to be, again, just of interest. I don't know what necessarily to say about that, but uh, it, it, it raised my eyebrow to see that level of mix. But then I went across the road, and I was in Barnes, and I know, But I and I, I like looking at kind of books about religion, spirituality. Huge numbers of books reflecting the Christian tradition and, and general kind of like wellness. When I came to the Jewish uh, shelves, I'd say maybe eighty percent, maybe even more than that were about anti-semitism and the holocaust and my kind of my heart sink? firstly i know that lots of jewish books are published in america i just saw them mm-hmm. across the road some from orthodox perspectives some reform conservative but i know there's plenty of books all around and yet in the regular barnes and noble most of them were kind of like about anti-semitism and death it kind of reminded me of that book by daryl horn people love dead jews and then it occurred to me you know if you're a jew and you come into a barnes and noble is that is that what you get from it? If you go to Christianity, talking about connecting to the spirit, talking to God, and if you go to the Jewish section, you know, why the six million? And this that's goes back to your point about no. the
1: Jewish mall, because if you're probably, if you're a Jew looking for a book about Judaism, you're not going to Barnes & Noble.
2: But, that, but that's a problem, right? That's it, exactly what Johnny's saying. No, the what about all well, the other...
1: Clearly the conservative Jew too. Clearly the not-religious Jew too. Haraya, that they're holding, they said they had to stock those books. Those are their customers. Those people are not saying going to Barnes the one and Noble Conservative for Jew their Jewish Wants
2: books. to go look for a book about I don't know for a bar mitzvah gift. He'll go into an Orthodox bookstore, is what you're yes. saying.
1: Yeah. But I the, think or the synagogue, you know, right. store or what. But have I you. think
2: Johnny's point is very right, which is and I agree with you. Like it's the Dara Horn book issue, one of them, which is what is the nature of Jewish identity in America for the vast majority of Jews who are not Orthodox. Or observant in, in any way, right? What's there? And again, there. This is a different topic, but you know, this, this the, the 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 there's a new movie that came out. Remember, we had this whole conversation about Seth Rogen. So, a new movie just came out. Mm.
0: And, oh yeah,
2: you know it's uh, terrible. That happened about? whilst I was in the states. What, what movie, the Fleagleman, right, the
0: Eddie Murphy Jonah Hill movie. No, the Jonah Hill movie. I'd seen, yeah, i seen the like trailer. I thought I that could be fun, and then I read the reviews. I yeah. am saying, oh my it's god, it's a I'm disaster. Never even... But it's
2: again, how right. do Jews view themselves? It's either Holocaust anti-Semitism or it's um, we are a bunch of um, I don't even want to use the words because they're so derogatory, but like very very negative stereotypes, self inflicted, or or very culturally shallow. So like. Where where's the space for a proud, robust, intelligent Judaism for the non-observant? And and I'm sure there are pockets of it. Like, I don't want to be denigrating, you know, different denominations. And I'm sure that it exists. But but maybe there is a paucity of that. Of that right,
0: uh, let's, be, let's be clear, this is probably the buyer of Barnes & Noble. I mean, I'm not blaming the Jews for this, but it's interesting. No, but well, I disagree. The they they'll,
1: they'll stock whatever people buy. They'll stock whatever people buy. They
0: don't care. Oh, Although I will tell you one quick anecdote, nothing to do with America, but it's just worth it, and then I know we've got to finish, which is when I, when I was in the UK about like uh, 10 years ago, I went away w- with my parents to a holiday at some kind of castle. I won't bore you with it. Anyway, oh, this guy, awesome. the owner of the, the castle slash hotel, uh knew my my dad and he said you know what don't worry we're gonna pr- get you kosher food we said like don't be silly We're jewish people we're orthodox people we'll get our own kosher food. he said i insist so what this guy do for we came down for breakfast the next morning we went into a room it was a private room he had challah grape juice <laughs> Uh, sausages, <laughs> cheese, right? <laughs> and he said, "I've got your food." Wait, I'm surprised that? he didn't give you pizza. Oh I'm gonna yeah, say the right? No, no couldn't, you couldn't. You can't get pizza. in America. You can get pizza, not in England, right? And it was like Well he went to like so the, he went sweet. to like the, co-
1: the store and bought like from the kosher section. Basically, he
0: went. Yeah, exactly. We had no clue <laughs> right, about so what put people Shabbos eat food, for normal exactly. breakfast. <laughs> <That's> like, <sweet. laughs> so it, it was it was sweet, Wait, Johnny. Did you guys have salami sandwiches for breakfast? We did not have salami but I mean that we was like what a beautiful guy he wants to do this he is completely clueless but what a beautiful guy and I suppose the same thing with Barnes and Noble like is that what Judaism is is this mm-hmm. are we just anti-Semitism Holocaust Jews yeah. and I say just I don't mean God forbid for a second to be misunderstood you know denying and, and, and uh, emphasizing the Holocaust but there's more the living Judaism too okay last, last uh, I'm going to say I, I already made my final point which is that people are people and I met people who are succeeding, who are struggling, people who feel connected, people feel very connected. And that's important. Wherever you are, people are people. But I want to end, you know, often people say, so you went to America, so did you tell everyone to make Aliyah? Firstly, i like, that's not how I roll. No. But, and secondly, when I got on the plane back, there were like 40 people making Aliyah. And that was very inspirational. But I met with a number of people who uh, are planning to make Aliyah meaning their intention is to move here, some very soon, some in the not-too-distant future. What's stopping them from getting on the plane now? It's not their lack of Zionism. You know, By the way, when people misrepresent certain American Jews, there are certain American Jews who are not interested in Israel. That's absolutely true. But the kind of people I was talking with are very interested in Israel, very committed to Israel. Many of them want to live here. So what's the delay? The answer is because you have a remarkably connected infrastructure there a person can you know be born and and if they're living in a certain community they have a sense of which elementary school they're going to go to which high school have a sense which college they're going to go to there's really a very clear roadmap for many people not in all communities but where i was in the new york new jersey area for sure you know there's a very clear sense for many people what they're planning to do obviously when a person doesn't quite fit that that raises interesting questions i spoke with people about that too and when a person in that world is considering making aliyah, it's not their lack of love of Israel. It's their, I know this system really well, and this system really works for me. In the, in the UK, we don't have those systems. So, like, whatever. Uh, m- moving to Israel is going from something less structured to something more structured. When the States... I, I think you're saying it in di- say a different way. Well-tailed. I know this
1: system, and I don't know that system, and I know that my n- lack of an understanding of that system will make it very,
2: very hard. And ah, that I, the system actually is a good system, and, and and it's fine, and it's comfortable, and and my f- and the, all the other p- you're not running away from I, I, something. I don't know so, like, I
1: don't know if, so if I agree with you, it's not fine. It's okay. not comfortable. There are. Bu- I'm saying even like it is healthcare prohibitively healthcare costly. There are built yes, in very tremendous issues. problems, but it's my problem. Meaning, I know how to navigate that crazy right. system.
2: Right, but Johnny's right though, which is that like from from other communities, you're going to something, and when you leave America, there's a lot of sacrificing. It really is. Mm. Yeah. Let's be honest and about and it. And a lot of the, very good things is, about the Jewish communities there. People
0: assume it's a big house of are sacrificing. That's partially true. You no, assume you're sacrificing your yard. That's partially true. I heard that right, from No, people. I agree with you. But for of many people, it's actually not just the house, it's yeah. not the yard. It's actually the infrastructure, mm-hmm. it's the system, right? And that really is something. And by the way, certain values, difficult.
2: it's not just, you know, it's there's a lot. That's what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of good in the American Jewish community. There's, Correct. You
0: know? and, I, and I was. Not, you know, I, I still believe this is a place where Jews should be, uh, but I was I was heartened and softened, I suppose, by some of the conversation I had with people who are really working hard to figure out the transition, but it, ta- it takes a lot more planning for some people there when they are so rooted in that landscape uh, because of the many different uh, associations and connections and commitments they have, uh, and to liberate themselves from all of that is hard work and for many people uh quite scary so i suppose and, that's and, that and, and my end is people people.
2: I, I would say and Do i, honey, I you have to say,
0: don't i was totally admirable
1: like i don't think i would have done that i like just going into the unknown you, you didn't really know people you put yourself out there I just like, I was most ad- admirable of that. Like I go to on trips when I know where I'm going or I know I'm going on a vacation, I'm going for a reason. But here you're promoting, you know, yourself and you're learning about people and meeting people. And I think that's uh, like this episode, Quintessential Johnny, and we can, we, the Jewish community only uh, benefits from it.
0: And, and again, just to reiterate, the, I, I was shown so much kindness by so many people, most of whom had never met me and many of whom had never even heard of me. The generosity of spirit, uh, and, and the kindness of so many people. Again, people have certain presumptions. Uh, I was very taken by many people, uh, and I'm and uh, I'm indebted to them, but there are many communities with lots of chesed, abundant chesed, and that's something which isn't often shouted about. I got a lift, riff, riff, by the way, with somebody who runs a gemach, a wedding dress gemach. Amazing woman. Uh, there are c- tremendous people doing so much that we often don't shine a light on, and they certainly deserve our praise and uh, admiration.
1: All right, Johnny, thanks for sharing your innocence abroad, uh, your, your uh, <laughs> I- insights from the United States or from uh, at least uh, the New York, New Jersey area. We're going to have to have another episode on Johnny in Las Vegas. Maybe We should send it back, Molly. Johnny visits Las Vegas now. And uh, you know, maybe take a video. it <laughs> a, a long
0: time ago, I did absolutely nothing. Like I. I you know, walked around <laughs> okay, and I want to
1: thank Molly and Johnny. I want to thank our listeners for being together with us. If you have comments or questions, feel free to send them to us. Uh, if this hasn't been enough to encourage you, if you need spiritual guidance, to contact Johnny. I'll do it myself. Find him and uh, book a schedule. It. it apparently it's very easy to do, and uh, hopefully uh, come back and listen to us next week. Have a great week, everybody.